Thus be mourned the Gaedish folk, their master's fall, crying that he was ever of the kings of earth, of men most generous and to men most gracious, to his people most tender, and for praise most eager. For praise most eager, wow. <laughs> That's sad. Do you think Beowulf had really low self-esteem? Welcome back to Fire the Canon, the podcast where we read the books in the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. Our opinions are objective. I'm Jackie. I'm Rachel. And I'm Theo, the producer. So this week, we would like to give a shout out to our new patron, Emma. Woo! Come on. Woo! We really appreciate it. Thanks, Emma. And if you would like to receive a shout out or be entered into a drawing for a t-shirt or get a sticker, blah, 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 there are a lot of options. You should check out our new Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash fire the cannon. Cannon, as always, is spelled C-A-N-O-N. Thanks again, Emma. This week, we have a special treat for you. We're wrapping up the uh, second installment of Beowulf, the epic poem. This is the 1926 translation by none other than Big Papa J.R.R. Tolkien himself. Oh, does no one else call him that? Usually, I just call him Big Papa J.R.R.T. Himself. Himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You're a little more casual. <laughs> right. Okay. So before we start today, I was wondering if you all could just describe how the poetry works in the original Old English version. It's an alliterative verse. Yeah. And the lines, each line is divided into halves and there's a sejura in the middle of the two halves. So you'll be like, da 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 Sajira is just like a like a pause, a break. There's yeah. tons of alliteration. It uses a lot of kennings. Ken Jennings. <laughs> yeah, he uses a lot of Ken Jennings. Just describing each character in question form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um a kenning is like instead of using a word like the ocean, they would use two words separated by a hyphen. They would say, instead of the ocean, Beowulf and his men traveled the whale road. Right. Which is kind of funny because it sounds like railroad, but with a speech impediment. It's cute. I think that's so, so cute to think <laughs> of. Whenever I hear that, I'm like, oh, think about all the little whales with their briefcases, like going to work, that kind of thing. Stuck in traffic. It's great to think of. All right, now we can get into the plot. How do you think Rothgar would feel if he knew that Beowulf just re-gifted everything? <laughs> He ex probably expected it. That's what everyone does. Like, the thing I don't understand is why do they even give each other rings at all? Because everyone, or even gifts, if they're always giving gifts back and forth, just hold on to all your own stuff. Hrothgar wanted to set up an international gifting exchange. He says, like, we'll send each other gifts over the ocean all the time. So cute. Well, he's like the original Santa Claus. You already said ba or Grendel was the original Santa Claus. No, I said he's How many Santa. Santa Clauses are there? The original Santa Claus was a little darker than the version we have today. <laughs> you gonna say he's claustrophobic? Wow, that All was right. good. Boring. I heard Rachel <laughs> smile. It went. <laughs> no, you also saw it because we're on Zoom. I love that I just said boring. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I'm so bored by that one word you said can we do something fun all right let's go wow you loosened us up too much theo we're sloppy now too loose yeah mm -hmm. you were too freaking loose too loose latre now that wasn't boring go ahead did you love that he loved it yeah go ahead no he just wasn't bored <laughs> he's <was laughs> neutral about it okay <laughs> so we go back into the book and it turns out dun dun dun, -dun, -dun, -dun. It's been 50 years, or actually more than 50 years, because Beowulf's uncle 
Heloc dies, his cousin becomes king, and then his cousin dies. So now Beowulf's the king, and he's been the king for 50 years. And where's Brekka in all this? Maybe he's standing behind the throne with his hand on Beowulf's shoulder, smiling warmly at everyone. For the Christmas cards. That's cute. And then on the other shoulder is Grendel's hand, still stuck there. (laughs) (laughs) If I could make one edit to Beowulf, it would be Grendel's arm stays right there yeah. that would be amazing yep. i think all the all the body parts that are mentioned should just have some sort of adhesive applied to them and they're attached to beowulf's body so he's got grendel's head asherah's head and grendel's arms stuck to him yeah i don't think he should take asherah's head he didn't kill asherah theo said any body parts. i said all body parts that's the rule <laughs> you can't take it back <laughs> so then actually it comes full circle and now beowulf is a monster terrorizing people in the countryside oh yeah like he goes into town for some bread and they're like ah, what is it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right so everything's been going great for all the gaets they're having a good time with beowulf as the king until something happens there is a dragon who's been slumbering in the countryside all along causing no trouble to no one but um a thrall this is in sweden this is in sweden basically yeah so uh, it's it calls him a thrall which unfortunately a thrall was basically a slave so a thrall who's being mistreated by his master kind of runs away and he happens upon the dragon's horde and he's like oh look at all this i'll just take this cup and i guess when i go back i'll offer my master this cup and then maybe he'll be nice to me yeah so it's emphasized that he doesn't do this out of selfishness like he just he does it because he needs to yeah it was a total accident that he found the horde and i don't even know if he saw the dragon or anything but he like takes a cup and he leaves and the dragon wakes up and he is furious which we know because that just happens in The Hobbit. Yeah, he he copied the stealing of the cup and he copied a lot of the dragon. But now it seems like this is copying The Hobbit because I read this second. <laughs> so apparently Be- Beowulf is the first dragon slaying in all of English literature. And the monk who wrote Beowulf, he synthesized all of these aspects of a dragon. So he's the one who came up with what we would think of as a dragon now, like this giant lizard that breathes fire and has a horde of golden gems. So the dragon is just going around terrorizing the countryside and burning things, and he's destroying Beowulf's kingdom. So Beowulf hears about it, and he realizes, I've got to do something about this. So how old do you think Beowulf is at this point? 70? 70 something. I was about to say he has the age of 70 men, but that didn't make sense. (laughs) He has the age of 71-year-old men. 71-year-old babies. (laughs) He has the age of 10 seven-year-olds. We don't know how long his uncle and uh, cousin ruled, so he could be 80-something. He could be 90-something. People lived longer back then. He says... Like, this is my responsibility. These are my people. It's my kingdom. I have to take care of it. So he gathers together some of his greatest warriors. And one of them is Wheelof, who's like a cousin of his, like a young cousin. So they go up to the dragon 
And the dragon can breathe fire, of course, so he's like, I don't know how well this stuff is gonna protect me, but he still uses a weapon. He has a sword named Nailing. But again, it doesn't do anything. All right, so the dragon comes out and starts to blow fire, and uh, Beowulf says, look, I've been doing this for a long time. He was only seven years old when he basically came into the um, guardianship of King Hrethel, and he has, you know, grown up knowing battle and being successful at it. He's repaid all of his debts in battle and now he's gonna do what might be his last great thing. So he goes to fight the dragon and his men run away and abandon him. But I don't see what the problem is because he told them he didn't want them to help. So I don't know why it matters how far away they are from him. And why do you even bring them? They're like, hey, just watch this cool thing I'm about to do. I just want an audience. <laughs> I think that's really what it was. So he's fighting the dragon and he's doing badly. Dragon's breathing fire. He's having a hard time. He is in danger. He gets wounded. And Wheeloff says to other men like, we need to go help him. He's our lord. He gave us so many rings. Let's go. But none of the other men go back. So Wheeloff goes on his own and he is able to injure the dragon. And then Beowulf also injures the dragon. And then together they kill the dragon nice mm -hmm. so they succeed you ever like really 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 didn't want to kill a cockroach but it was like near your bed and you just had to i can picture that feeling i have a huge fear of cockroaches and i feel like sl slaying the dragon feels a little bit like that where it's like if i don't get rid of this thing it's gonna haunt me for the rest of my life and it's never gonna leave us alone and like so i've got to take care of this thing and it's this huge undertaking and it's so close to my bed <laughs> and it's so close to my bed and all my 11 friends ran away when you were describing Wheeloff and Beowulf, I couldn't help but picture them as Mario and Luigi when you started describing them as like two buddies and the dragon is Bowser, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, go ahead. I'll probably edit that out. Well, you're really knocking it out of the park. You got Yu-Gi-Oh, you got, you got Mario. Did you say Yu-Gi-Oh? Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh my gosh. How embarrassing. I don't feel embarrassed by that. <laughs> I think it's a point of pride not to know how to pronounce Yu-Gi-Oh. You just pronounced it right. Until I sick my blue eyes white dragon on you. Now that was a good Yu-Gi-Oh joke. They're going to love that. Thea thinks it's so embarrassing that I wasn't into Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> you wasted your life from fourth grade to sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't you guys into Pokemon? Shouldn't you only be into one? No, no, it's, it's Splendor. You can like both, Jackie. <laughs> Jackie, it's okay. Well, I don't like either, so... <laughs> you fun. can like both. You can't like neither. Pick. Pick now. You have to pick. Pick now. You have to pick. Pick now. Pick. I guess Pokemon. Yeah, you should pick Pokemon. She's going to pick Pokemon. I said, I guess Pokemon, and Rachel said, she's going to pick Pokemon. <laughs> I have a prediction. Jackie will pick Pokemon. <laughs> the one I know how to pronounce, yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's cuter. Joshua told me it was Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Joshua is our pronunciation consultant. You mean Goshua? Is his name spelled with a G? Oh, I see. It's a Yu-Gi-Oh thing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to admit that was a little confusing so beowulf's wound was poisoned is what i've been trying to say so he dies or he's dying did the dragon bite him is that what happened or did it claw him that'd be cool if it had poison claws i'm liking this dragon <laughs> the dragon's your favorite character yeah i hope we hear more from it. i told you you could pick the dragon as a name the dragon you put the mystic sword i, I root for the underdog this is the mystic sword the underdog <laughs> the dragon grabs beowulf by the neck with his teeth and so even if it wasn't venomous i think he still would have died but beowulf is just remembering the time hrothgar grabbed him by the neck <laughs> i'm gonna miss you <laughs> oh this dragon is just telling me he's gonna miss me and then 
dead. If I was with a dragon, right? Okay, like in a relationship. Don't you think the dragon would be so insanely big? It couldn't grab me by the neck. Like, it, it would just grab me by, like, the whole... It's 50 feet from nose to tail, I think. My neck is only this big, right? So, like, compared to the Well, dragon. maybe the snout goes really long into a tiny point at the front. <laughs> like a swordfish? Here's the thing. We don't know how big Beowulf is. Perhaps he has the size of 30 men. The neck size of 30 men. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it's not that impressive that he has the strength of 30 men. If he was the size of 30 men and he had the strength of one, that would be so bad. I'd be so impressed. <laughs> he wouldn't even be able to stand up. Okay, well, let's say he has the size of 10 men or even the size of five men or something. Uh, yeah, I guess that's pretty big. The size of 30 men with the strength of one. I like that a lot. So that would be the reverse Beowulf. A wolf bayo. I introduce you to your hero and like the curtains part and just this guy like tumbles over. <laughs> he has no muscle tone. He can't even lift his head. He's like still working on that skill. Yeah. Tummy time is not happening. <laughs> oh, no. talking tummy time. Okay. So Beowulf is dying and he tells Wheeloff like, can you bring all the treasure out so that I can look at it and then be happy while I die? <laughs> the whole horde of the dragon? How is he guys yeah. going to take years? <laughs> at one point it says like, Wheelof was hoping that his lord would still be alive when he got back with the armful of treasure. I'm just imagining with like this wheelbarrow and he's like, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> 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 He says, make now haste that I may behold the wealth of long ago, the golden riches, may plain survey the clear jewels cunning wrought, and so may I, the wealth of precious things achieved, the softer leave my life and the lordship which long time I held. So he's saying, he is saying, it is good to have a lot of money when you die. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take it with me, but I sure can look at it. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll be so happy like, wow, I'm so rich. I don't mind dying now. <laughs> uh, finally, after all this, Wheelof goes back um, to his people and he speaks with each of the men and he's basically just kind of telling them what happened. Like, look, this brave man. Before Beowulf died, he he basically told Wheelof, I want you to take care of my people. You're the king now. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he says, he says, I don't have any sons. So now you're going to take care of things for me. Now, how does Wheelof prove that? Like, he just goes back and nobody saw this and he's like, yeah, Beowulf told me I should be the king now. So... Bow down. <laughs> Tell Theo what he says to all the men who ran away and didn't come back. Basically, he's like, Beowulf be so ashamed of you. You're going to be kicked out of the kingdom. And also your whole family is kicked out. And everyone's going to hate you everywhere forever. Wow. And I'm the king now. <laughs> Which I'm wondering, why didn't those men kill Wheelof? They should have killed Wheelof. There are 11 of them. They're not as quick-witted as you, Rachel. <laughs> as soon as a guy tells me I'm going to have a fate worse than death, and he's the only one who can attest to that... Stab him. Yeah, so he sends a messenger to tell everyone that Beowulf is dead. And everyone comes back and they're like, oh, wow, this sucks. We love Beowulf. And he says, Beowulf told us to do a great, huge funeral pyre so that everyone can see it. And I think we should take all the treasure out from the dragon's mound and like burn it and bury it with Beowulf. They could have done so much good with that treasure. They said they're too sad about it. Yeah, probably investing it would have been a smarter option. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, think about how much they would have had by now. Or they could have just given it to a lot of people as gifts. That's something. But no, there he he says, like, we're too sad for this, so let's get rid of this gold. Wheelof gets a bunch of men together and they all push the dragon's body off a cliff into the sea. I mean, that's kind of cool, right? Or do you think he should have buried it with Beowulf? I think he should have buried Beowulf inside it. And then put the dragon like a turducken. <laughs> Beowulf and the dragon, the dragon in the burial mount, golden Beowulf. And then like one little ring in Beowulf's throat. Yeah. So everyone's sad. 
All the women are sad. It says they put their hair in braids because they were so sad. So this is where the story has like a very pessimistic ending. So we know Wheeloff is there and he's like, he's their hope, but we don't know how well he does as a king. The narrator doesn't tell us if things turn out well for the Gates or, you know, if their alliances hold, whatever, or if people say, well, they've lost one guy with the strength of 30 men, so now could be a time to attack. So there's just like a very, very pessimistic ending, basically. They put him in a funeral pyre and they burn everything. Everyone's crying, everyone's sad. So yeah, inside the mound, they put all the gold. It says 12 men are crying and praising Beowulf. And do you want to read the final little paragraph, Jackie? Thus be mourned the Geodish folk, their master's fall, comrades of his hearth, crying that he was ever of the kings of earth, of men most generous and to men most gracious, to his people most tender and for praise most eager. So that kind of, I feel like, says what he's been saying this whole time and what is emphasized over and over again, which is like, this is all really done for praise and glory. Again, mm-hmm. not because it's right. Mm. It says he's generous and gracious and tender, though. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good king. There was something else that I saw when I was kind of like reading about this was, you know, this idea that you're only as good as like the foe is terrible that you slew. So you kind of like can't have Beowulf without Grendel. And like Beowulf's only impressive because of how awful the things mm. are that he deals with. Mm. So once the dragon is slain, what else could he possibly fight that's going to be that impressive? Like maybe that was just, that should have been the end. Well, it was. It has so much of like the transition from the kind of magical pagan past to a more rigid Christian future. And there's a lot of chaos versus order kind of stuff. But it, it's very clear that Tolkien borrowed so much of this. It's it's the end of an era in terms of monsters, right? Like magic is kind of leaving the world. They see remnants of old, much more magical civilizations. It's mostly men fighting men. So these monsters that are left over, they don't really know how to deal with it. It's very like Middle Earthy. Just to make sure like they didn't, like unlike in the Odyssey where it seems like everything is getting controlled by God. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this references God and things like that, but it, it doesn't seem like any sort of deity is controlling what's happening, right? Yeah, it, it seems like they have more self, like willpower. They have more self-determination. There's no fate, right? Yeah, like they're doing things because they want glory. They give credit to God or they reference God, but it really feels like that was just shoehorned in there to make it more palatable. All right, enough about books. This is your producer, Theo, jumping in during the edit to say, if you like this podcast, don't forget to tell your friends, family, coworkers, and strangers to check it out. Give it a listen. Also, please write us a review. The mysterious internet algorithms really value reviews, and we do anything to make those algorithms happy. So if you like this podcast, give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. Okay, back to the episode. Should we play a quick game of who, when, where, or how, when, where? Who, who do you like it? (laughs) When do you like who? (laughs) Who likes it? (laughs) You all probably remember this from the Christmas episode. Basically, the game goes, one person picks a thing, and they keep that thing secret. They keep it to themselves, and the other two people are trying to guess what that thing is, and they keep asking them, how do you like it? When do you like it? And where do you like it? And I have to answer those questions. I'm going to be the person. All right, let's think. Okay, got it. How do you, How like, do it? you like it? Oof, I said it first. Well-crafted. 
Can you guess what it is? When do you like it? At a clutch moment. Where do you, Where like, do you it? like it? In the hide of a foul beast. <laughs> is this going to be like a Tauntaun thing? Is it a mystical sword? <laughs> yes, it's a mystical sword. <laughs> I was actually thinking mystic sword, but I don't know if you would have been able to. So Rachel got the correct answer and I said, are you hiding in a Tauntaun? <laughs> <laughs> what is a Tauntaun? You know what it is. It's in Star Wars. The thing from Star Wars that Luke Skywalker cuts open you, and goes inside. You said in the hide of a beast, so I thought literally you're inside. <laughs> no. So when he's inside a beast, he likes it. We said, where do you like it? He said no. inside the hide of a beast. I don't think it means where Where are you when you like it. <laughs> it could be. Do you like being inside of a tauntaun? He only was inside to save his life. I don't think it was a thing that they loved doing. <laughs> this is a well-forged tauntaun. <laughs> It's a snow lizard. I don't think so. It's fuzzy. I can't let go of the fact that Rachel got it right and I guessed a tauntaun. So I'm just trying to make it seem like that could have made sense. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, listeners. I hope you liked that game. I don't know where I'm going to put that in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about Beowulf? What do you think about this translation? You going to fire it? You going to not fire it? Do you want to wait till after we've covered the other translation? Yeah, I might wait just to be safe, but I... I mean, as as much fun as it was talking about it, I didn't have fun reading it. <laughs> yeah, same. I don't know that I would um, tell other people that it's important for them to read this because especially this translation, like you said, there's nothing really of the original style of the poetry itself. Like yeah. this prose you could get just by reading any other J.R.R. Tolkien yeah. writing and you would get the same thing. And I think Lord of the Rings is actually probably much more relevant to our like common discourse now than Beowulf is. Read Lord of the Rings instead. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like you said, this is maybe the first description of a dragon, but everybody already knows what a dragon is like because of Beowulf, so we don't really need to read Beowulf. I liked the Seamus Haney translation quite a bit, and I'm wondering if you would like it a lot because of it being such a good poem as well. So it, are you saying you would definitely fire Beowulf if it's this translation or you're firing Beowulf in general if I'm thinking about what I think is is like one of the greatest books of all time like does this deserve to continue on through the ages forever and ever uh I don't think anyone like who's a serious scholar of this would agree with me obviously but no I just get rid of it I mean so much of it was kind of like we talked about before it was like just endless weird genealogy and like maybe interesting history if any of it is true or maybe interesting as like a sociological study of of maybe a certain time period or art during a certain time period but the actual literature itself I didn't see anything super special about it. I think I'm going to get a lot of hate for that so I was kind of I don't know. I just didn't enjoy reading it. Should yeah. we say what your uh, Twitter handle is? <laughs> so that people can give you hate directly. Oh, so people can tweet at me. <laughs> I wouldn't fire it, but that's just because I liked the other one more. I really did not like this Tolkien translation. It was a slog, like a serious slog to force myself to finish it. Yeah, that's how I would call it. And I really like his his criticism of Beowulf and like his scholarship on Beowulf is very interesting. But his translation, I'm just like, oh, come on, man. We know he wasn't writing this for anyone. He wasn't trying to make it accessible. I think he was just like trying to make it as accurate as possible. And that made it a slog. Christopher Tolkien's uh, commentary on this in the beginning of the translation covers this. But J.R.R. Tolkien wrote letters to people like agonizing over what does it mean to make an accurate translation and what how much am I interpreting versus how much is like the actual meaning and how can anyone know this and what is right and he just like got so caught up in it that he cared a lot about it obviously but he didn't want to publish anything that wasn't right so maybe he would agree with us (laughs) 
I think the story's great. I think similar to the Odyssey, it resonates with people. We've had so many different adaptations like Grendel by John Gardner's like a super weird, weird philosophical novella about Grendel, like going around talking to people. I hated reading it because it made me feel so bad for him. Well, everything's ultimately meaningless is the point of that. And he's not wrong, but it's not going to make you feel great. The Mirror Wife by Maria Devana Headley was her novel that she also based it off of this story and she focused a little bit more. She said it in the present day. Um, you know, people keep adapting it. People keep translating it and studying it. I don't know. I don't think that it something deserves to be in the canon just because somebody like took the most interesting part. If that's how you decide whether something should be in the canon, then like everything that is in the canon will be in the canon. Like if if you're just basing it on whether or not people are influenced by it. Well, it's not called Do We Like These Books. I want to wait till I read the other translation and tell you what I think. If you want to enjoy Beowulf, do not read the Tolkien translation. Do not do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'll wait because, yeah, what if I... I might love the next translation that we talk about and maybe yeah. I'll feel totally different about the actual story, but... As of right now, it's like, I think that a lot of the adaptations have been really interesting, but I don't think whoever wrote this, like the monk or whoever wrote the original version of it, I don't think they wrote it intending that Grendel would capture our pity or our empathy. I don't think they wrote it intending that we were going to think like, wow, this is so interesting how Grendel's mother is a woman and is a battle doer and is written in this way. I don't think they intended that. I mean, we were interested in a lot of stuff in the Odyssey that Homer didn't intend. I mean, I do think the monk, considering the time period, I think he did a really good job like synthesizing different myths and things. I loved a lot of the Kennings. I just could not. This was so hard to make myself read. Sorry, Tolkien family. I told Jackie this before. Tolkien is my grand professor. What about this? I once touched a hand that touched a hand that touched Carl Sagan. Ooh. I met the nurse that cared for Carl Sagan while he was dying. And you didn't touch her? No, she was busy being a nurse, so she couldn't touch me because I wasn't her patient. You touched her patient. Her patient touched you. I touched her patient. She touched Carl. She said, hands off my patient. <laughs> she said, stop coming over here and putting your hands all over my patients. It doesn't mean you're closer to Carl. <laughs> yeah. Can we get security? Jackie's here again. <laughs> She's over here with her probing little hands. Ugh, like an alien. <sighs> they do probe, don't they? Aren't you at all interested in whether I want to fire it? <laughs> I know the answer is yes. Go, all right, maybe you'll like it. It's full of monsters. Go ahead, tell us. I didn't read it. Uh-huh. I will say, it's not as epic as the Odyssey. It's much shorter. There's no oil. There's no insults or abuse. <laughs> there are no old men transformations. There, there are insults when he... Tells him he didn't win the swimming contest, and he literally transforms into an old man at the end of the book. But it's not a magical transformation. It's just what we all do. He just ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a disguise. According to that, anytime someone <laughs> ages in any story, that's like, woohoo, transformation. That deserves to be in the canon. That's epic. Yeah. It's taken me 50 years to put on my disguise of old man. <laughs> I've perfected my old man disguise. Can you say that to us when you turn 70? And then I go fight a dragon. White, white eyes, blue skin. Jackie <laughs> got that so wrong. Theo wants to murder me. Blue eyes, white dragon. If we do have a Yu-Gi-Oh fan, you are... Persona non grata. You're pushing them away. Fire the host. Public enemy number one. Yeah. Patient zero. 
I feel like you said that as though you were talking about someone else, but it was clearly yourself. That you were <laughs> if there happened to be a Yu-Gi-Oh fan on this podcast. If there happened to be a Yu-Gi-Oh fan producing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. You are really upsetting them right now. Yeah. If there happens to be a Yu-Gi-Oh fan who is in charge of giving you your cut of the profits from this podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm not going to fire it. Just to be contrary. Wait, you only said bad things about it that didn't have oil or magical transformations. Was there something else it didn't have? Something else it didn't have? Anything? Me? Oh, no, you just said it doesn't have this, it doesn't have this, and I was wondering if there was a third thing. Oh, the second thing was insults and abuse, but you took that away from me. So. Oh, insults and abuse. Yeah, yeah. And then magical <laughs> old man transformations. Yeah. So what did you like about it, Theo? Oh, I just really like the monsters, even though I don't know what they look like, and I, I didn't have to read about them. I just love them. <laughs> and I like the mystical sword. I have to say, I like the boiling blood of Grindel. Like, I think that was a great idea. That it melted the sword that cut his head off? Yeah, and then it boiled the water in the lake. Oh my gosh. It happens every time there's Grendel blood. And you also really liked that Beowulf was poisoned by the dragon. Or no, you liked the idea of poison claws, but he didn't... We don't know if his claws were poison or not. We don't Maybe know. they were, but he got chomped on by the teeth, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, to end it, can we just... Uh go through some kennings can we talk about some kennings instead of blood they say battle sweat boiling battle sweat instead of a uh, king they say breaker of rings one for death is sleep of the sword oh wow you like sleep of the sword right Ooh, raven harvest for corpse they call the sea either the whale road the sail road or the whale's way oh sky candle is for the sun sky candle is for sun that's what it is no i said it first sky candle i said it first this is awesome. You love Kennings. Grendel is called a Twilight spoiler. Like Stephanie Meyer's Twilight. He's like, hey, Ed Edward and Bella have a baby. <laughs> and it's horrible. Uh, they call a battle a sword storm. Oh, I like that. I'm looking up a list of Kennings, and there's just an explanation on this website called enotes.com. And it says, for example, teacher sounds mundane. Student transformer sounds way better. I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the apprentice Autobot. Yeah, yeah, it does. It says a ship could be called a foamy-necked floater. <laughs> His mother is called Hellbride, Helldamn, Tarnhag. Helldamn, shit, fuck, queen. <laughs> Tarnhag. <laughs> the rib cage is called the bone cage. <laughs> That's not a good one. That sounds like there's other bones inside. And you're not getting out bones. <laughs> Your body is called a bone house. Bone house. <laughs> that just broke me. <laughs> like what a great home you've created for your bones. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you have something to say, you can reach us by email at firethecanonpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at firethecanonpod. We have a Facebook page and a group at Fire the Cannon Podcast. One is for official announcements, one is for kind of community discussions, and we are at patreon.com slash fire the cannon. And of course, cannon is spelled C-A-N-O-N. Oh, we have to say thanks now. Oh, yeah. And here's the part where we thank thanks our now. listener. Thanks now. Thanks now. Thank you now.